Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. Even now in the middle of winter, if I go outside, there's infrared there. And research shows that that, that infrared penetrates into our bodies and it actually creates a bigger battery of this exclusion zone water. It charges it, it expands it fourfold. So imagine being depleted in this and being depleted of this exclusion zone water as the same thing as a cell phone battery being depleted, where it reaches a critical threshold and all of a sudden it's going to darken the screen and it's going to tell you it can't download or live stream that thing. You know, you, you lose functionality. That same thing happens inside of our cells when we deplete this exclusion zone water, but we're meant to, we're designed to have a continuous battery charging of it via infrared light that we would naturally get anytime we're outside when, when there it's daylight, but modern living, right? Modern window glass blocks the infrared for energy efficiency. Modern light bulbs have gotten rid of the infrared for energy efficiency. So for all intents and purposes, we're in a much more infrared deficient environment than we would be, than we were designed to be in. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed quantum health educator and clinician, Carrie Bennett. We discussed her journey into quantum health and how it changed her life. We also touched on the importance of sunlight, problems with artificial light, the benefits of infrared light, exclusion zone water, and her top quantum health strategies to optimize your health. Really enjoyed my interview with Carrie. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin. And on today's show, I have Carrie B. Wellness. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hi, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on all the way from Michigan, (laughs) Midwest, another Midwest girl. That's right. That's right. Pretty close by, you know, and we were just talking. The weather is not our favorite right now. So I'm, I'm ready for spring. <laughs> yeah. it You know, when, when you go through the seasons, it's like you, you hate them and you love them and you hate them. Like it makes you really appreciate the good weather, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that spring weather where I'm just like, yes, let's get there. It just feels so good to get to that transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, we'll talk all about sunlight and water and and many different topics. What maybe explain to the audience your background and how you sort of got into the health field? Oh, you know, gosh, it's a great it's a great question. I um I've always been interested in science. You know, that was a passion to study even in high school. You know, and so when I went to college, I went to a college that had a really strong undergraduate science program. And I was a college athlete and, you know, I love just figuring out how the human body operated. Um, and I, you know, what, what I was supposed to do when I graduated from college was I was supposed to get a PhD or go to medical school, right? Because that's what you did when you graduated with an undergraduate degree from there. And none of those felt right, right? Like I didn't, what I wasn't passionate about going into traditional medicine, And back in the day, back in the day, before I knew a dang thing about light, I was just like, and I can't study microbiology under fluorescent lights in a lab all day. Like that just sounds horrible, horrific to me. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I went to my volleyball coach and had a mental breakdown and I was, she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to become a massage therapist. And she said, okay, go ahead. You know, why don't you do it? And so I told my parents, they're like, yes, that sounds, that's cool. We support you, but you know, get a job 
go to massage therapy school, you know, really start to figure out what your path is in life. And um, I got the only job I knew, which I I became a certified personal trainer because I was like, well, as an ex-athlete, I got to figure out how to keep myself in shape for the rest of my life. So might as well help other people with this. Um, And, you know, that's kind of started my journey of just viewing the human body uh, and how to, I guess, support health. But then, you know, things happened, right? You know, as a college athlete, my, my joints were not great. Fast forward till, you know, having a baby, my first kid, insomnia, digestive issues. And, you know, so like that was the layering of like, okay, what can I learn now about supporting my body? Because exercise isn't the only thing that's supporting it. You know, massage wasn't the only thing that's supporting it. So I got a master's degree in nutrition and that helped a little bit. But again, it wasn't the end all be all for and for what my body needed. And so, you know, late one night, and then I don't recommend doing this, but late one night I was on my phone scrolling like why I can't sleep, why my kid can't sleep, why my digestion sucks. And um, I found Jack Cruz, Dr. Jack Cruz, and he's a neurosurgeon um, that many people probably have heard of. And his emphasis is on circadian rhythm and light and that the light in our environment really matters when it comes to optimizing our health. And so I started doing a couple of key strategies around sunlight and that was very quickly moved the needle to make me feel like, you know, a thriving human being again. Yeah. And, and what were those strategies around sunlight? Because sometimes I think it's it's tough living in the Midwest. Uh, right now, actually in Chicago, it's a beautiful sunny day, but uh, you can go, gosh, a few weeks without sun, at least a couple of weeks we've had it. And kind of what type of things could individuals do, you know, when it's the winter and they're not always seeing the sun? Yeah, you know, so that's a great question <laughs> because it's not about needing actual sunlight. We don't need clear blue skies in order to get the effects that I'm talking about. Because when the day has brightened, it's daylight, right? Whether the sun is behind clouds, rain, snow, or whether you can actually see that sun. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we're lucky here too. We can we can see that sun today as well. So it's really pretty. Um, no matter what the weather, we get the benefit of what can sunlight can do to energize our body, set our circadian rhythm, um, balance neurotransmitters, assist with hormone balance and hormone production. So simply going outside, especially in the morning is a very key strategy to support our health. And, and, you know, it's hard in the Midwest to think that there's a benefit of going outside on a cloudy day, especially when there's days in a row, but that's what I had to do to shift my seasonal affective disorder. That's what I had to do to recognize that I can still feel awesome in the Midwest, in the middle of winter, when I don't see the stretch, the sun for stretches of week, like you said, weeks on end, um, it still it still feels good, and my body recognizes the importance of it, and it optimizes its health even when that sun is behind the clouds. So going outside in the morning was key. I especially started to go out as close to sunrise as possible because that like set it it sets my circadian rhythm. You know, the light that enters my eyes tells time to my body. And every gene in my body, right? A lot of people are big on genetics, but every gene in my body has a clock in front of it. So it's meant to know what time of day it is so it can recognize, okay, when am I going to express these genes and make these proteins and optimize this function? Uh, And if we don't tell it the accurate time, um, you know, artificial light won't do it. Screens won't do it. That light is confusing. So we have to go outside and really sync up to the correct time of day in order to optimize everything about our circadian rhythm. And which basically means everything about the health of our bodies. I do love that because my dogs and I walk every morning. <laughs> so it's, it's a big part of our day. And I've got, it's such a habit of mine, even if I don't have the dogs for some reason, if they're somewhere else, 
um, or I'm traveling, I still have that habit of just getting up and going for a walk. Um, it was nice doing it in Florida for a week and <laughs> feeling 80 degree weather. And, uh, but either way I, I enjoyed, uh, no matter the weather, um, it's so important. So whether you have a dog or not important to get out, I'm curious, I'm assuming you, do you have a dog or no? We got three children, right? So three children. Okay. Now, <laughs> so that was my question. Do you take the children with you on the walk in the morning? So, you know, it, sometimes it's not as, as glorious as that. Right. It's, <laughs> and it's like windows down driving into school. And like right. my kids get used to me rolling the windows down and yelling sunrise eyes and everyone looks to the East and they know like to just <laughs> get some of that natural light signaling into their eyes. Um, in the summers though, when we're out of school, it's like, yeah. we're just out, we're playing, we're, we're there, you know, sunrise time. And then another key time I call UVA rise. Uh, so the sun's a little higher in the sky when that light appears, uh, we try to get, we try to get outside as much as we can. And it really makes a difference, not only for like, for kids too, energy is appropriate focus then is amazing. I was just having a conversation with one of my kids' teachers about how she recognized that in order to get the class to focus, she just takes them outside for 15 minutes at a certain time in the morning. And then if she wants them to focus on a task, they come back in and they're very focused. And that's because it really does. That morning light changes our brain chemistry to optimize things like our focus and our concentration. So yeah, morning light is key and we, we try to get it however we can. And it's not always ideal, but consistency is better than perfection, right? Right. Look out the window, kids. Just look out the window, open it and look. I, my 11 year old, like he rolls his eyes, but he still does it. So I'm grateful. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, so you got into massage therapy, personal yeah. training, then you sort of made the switch to quantum, quantum clinician and educator, you would say? Well, I made the switch to a nutritionist, right? Like okay. I was hardcore nutrition. Um, and like I said, it's important, you know, all these things I think are important, but it wasn't until I laid the foundation of this quant, what I call quantum health, right? The sunlight, what, when to get the natural light signals, when to block the artificial light, because that can be really confusing. And then how the light really interacts with our body to optimize our energy, um, our mitochondrial health, things like that, that made the difference for me. And it's what I'm really passionate about teaching now. Well, let's talk about artificial light. Uh, because, um, I think everyone's default to, or, you know, that we're around our phones a lot and, uh, screens and especially obviously with kids, how do you sort of navigate that? Well, you know, there's things we can, I, I think education is key, right? Cause a lot of people don't even like, I didn't, I was like, when I first heard that my, my screens could be the issue or light bulbs at the wrong time of day could be causing my body harm. I was like, well, that's BS. What the heck does that even mean? Right. So I think education is the first thing we have to be aware of. And so once we know that light contains information, right, we've all seen sunlight through a prism or through a rainbow and it contains different colors. My body has sensors for those colors and those colors coming from sunlight vary. They vary from sunrise to solar noon back to sunset. And it's the changes and the variation and the predictable variation throughout the course of a day that my brain keys in on and these sensors key in on. And when we talk then about comparing that to artificial light coming from a screen or from a bulb, those contain a very unnatural blend of colors, oftentimes super heavy in what a lot of people have probably heard of, which is blue light, right? The blue light we hear is damaging, um, but it also never changes, right? So it's like we're in zombie land if we're under artificial light without getting the, the changing light cues that we would get from natural sunlight. 
So it's, it's easy to see how it's confusing to my circadian rhythm. And then for all intents and purposes, after sunset, there should be no blue light in my natural environment. If I were to go outside, I wouldn't get a lot of blue light from campfire, from, from moonlight. Uh, and so when we then have sunset and we then turn on the television or we stare at a screen or we have bunches of artificial lights on, we're getting an excessive amount of blue light. And that's going to really mess up with our circadian rhythm and hormones at that the latter half of the day when we're supposed to be entering sleep and repair. It really kind of re-stimulates our body to think the day has started all over again. And um, and so, yeah, what what do we do? Well, you know, nowadays we can say, okay, well, 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 if at all possible, don't turn lights on, right? Like keep that to a minimum. Um, I have hoarded some incandescent bulbs, mm. which happen to have a better spectrum. They don't have a lot of blue light in them at all. So I, I use incandescent bulbs, little ones. Um, I have screen, I turned my phone screen red. You know, there's apps and settings you can change to modify screens to have a more red tone to them. And I wear, I wear really like nerdy blue blockers, right? Like, you know, I, I make sure yeah. that I protect my eyes in the morning before sunrise and after sunset so that I don't allow the blue light to enter it. And I just try to maintain my circadian rhythm as much as possible without also, you know, living like a hermit or in a cave because I still want to watch a sporting event at night or, you know, sure. America's Funniest Home Videos with my family, something along those lines. And I just want to make sure I'm doing it as best as I can with, with respect to my light entering, the light entering my eyes. Yeah, I noticed the glasses you're wearing. Uh, and are you? Are, there's different. I have a, a few pairs. Uh, there's some for daylight, and then for the evening ones, they're a little darker, right? The the blue light blocking glasses. Yeah. Yes. So you know, if, if if I'm just like out, if I'm outside, if I'm upstairs, not in front of a screen. Um, I don't wear any eye protection sure. whatsoever, but these are from Viva Rays and I really love their yellow lens technology. It, um, it's really a prevents, like prevents the strain you would get from a, from a staring at a screen. Mm -hmm. So it prevents eye strain. It really protects the, what are called the blue light receptors in our eyes from getting overstimulated, which can happen a lot when we're on a screen. Uh, and then at night, orange tone, right? It's got to be orange tone. And some, some of my clients even need the red because the red also protects not just the blue light, it protects the, from the green light, the green color of light as well, which can be stimulating for some people. Um, so yeah, orange tone or red tone blue blockers in the evenings. If anyone is wanting to try this strategy out, I say, just skip right to getting orange, getting a pair of orange ones. Like there, you can get a cheap one from Amazon called Spectra 479, right? Just go there and try it and see what it does to when you want to fall asleep, when you, well, when you start to feel tired, then when you want to fall asleep, the quality of your sleep, the length of your sleep, things like that. And people notice a difference pretty quickly. Yeah. I try to put mine on like once like 8 PM comes and, and later. So is yeah. that what you, is your strategy is after a certain time you just. Uh, yeah. On. You know, there's, there's a, an app that I've, that, you know, I, I know the, app you mean there's an app, there. there's an app for that. Um, that tells you what, what's called nightfall and it's called ah. the circadian app. And so okay. some people wear it, put them on after sunset. I find that to be too early. It's like, you know, when the sun right. sets there, it's still ambiently bright outside. So either I, I, either I try to shoot for nightfall or like you said, you know, by, I don't even know what the time change now, but like, yeah, probably by eight o'clock or so here, it starts to get noticeably darker. And that's when it's like, okay, let's protect the circadian rhythm. Yeah. I, I enjoyed, I actually think it does help with sleep. Um, 
I haven't sold my wife on it yet, though, but maybe she'll come around. <laughs> Took me 10 years, but my husband now wears them. So. <laughs> oh, 10 years. All right. I've only tried for about a year or two. So, um, so let's touch on um, water. Now, you have, and your Instagram is great, by the way. I'm looking at it right now. Thank and, you. And um, you are, I, I'm just going to read one of your, your, uh, sort of quotes on your Instagram. You are a battery made from water charged by sunlight. So mm -hmm. water is responsive antenna. So maybe touch a little bit on um, the importance of water and are there certain types of water that you make sure that you consume? Oh gosh, water is my favorite thing to talk about, right? Because, and I want to talk that there's a difference between understanding how water actually operates in our bodies and then, yeah, the water we drink does matter. And I, you know, something I poo-pooed until I actually looked into the science and realized how amazing water is in terms of the type of water that we drink. So first and foremost, to understand, the, the one that you mentioned first is that we're a battery made out of sunlight or made out of water charged by sunlight, right? And so that emphasizes that the water in our bodies creates a battery. It creates energy for us. And you know, I'm I'm not sure, Brian, like how deep you've gone into biology or, you know, physiology. I'm I'm certain you you understand significantly about what's going on in the body. But even if even if we've taken advanced training and advanced courses in biology, when you look at a cell in a textbook, it basically looks like a water balloon cut in half with like this liquid water in it and then a couple of organelles inside. You know, you'll see the nucleus, you'll see the mitochondria. Uh, and that's not how water in our bodies is. It's not really the majority of the water in our bodies is not in its liquid state. Like we would think of water sloshing around in a glass. And instead, we now have to recognize that the water in our bodies is gelled into an organized, structured state that's called exclusion zone water. And so this has really been brought to the forefront by a researcher named Dr. Gerald Pollack. And I can't recommend his book enough, The Fourth Phase of Water. And what, we, what his research has shown and other labs have confirmed is that anytime liquid water, such as the water that's made in our mitochondria, right? Our mitochondria make water for us. Anytime liquid water comes into contact with a biological surface, a hydrophilic surface, which they're everywhere inside. Our cells are packed with biological surfaces inside and out. Anytime liquid water comes into contact with that surface, it structures and organizes its molecular arrangement. So instead of water kind of being like this, it, an H2O kind of in a random arrangement, like you would see in a liquid form, it structures itself into hexagons and, and into a geometric shape, into a geometric pattern. So almost think about honeycombs of this water and it aligns itself up like that next to all biological surfaces. And now when you actually do, when you actually measure to see if it has a charge, liquid water is neutral. Water in this state is negatively charged. And it has a directly next to the water, this negatively charged water, you have a positive line of protons, you get positive charge. And lots of research has shown that that's potential energy. You can literally light a light bulb if you put electrodes in the positive zone and the negatively charged zone of the water in our bodies, you can light a light bulb. And so we have to shift the paradigm to thinking that the, what creates energy and what gives us energy and animates us in our bodies is ATP. ATP plays a role, but the water inside of us actually potentially plays an even bigger role when you recognize it's not just this liquid solvent that we've, that we've learned about in all of our textbooks. And it actually structures itself into a source of energy for us. So what steps do I, you know, people think of hydration 
and they just think of water. But hydration is more than just drinking water, right? A lot of times it's electrolytes and things like that. So what what types of water should well, I should say this. Um, what can people do to make sure that they're um, staying hydrated or also, you know, um, charging their mitochondrian and making sure that, you know, you know, I love how you phrase that. Right. Cause you're, it's more than it's beyond the water that we drink, which, right. which is what, what really everyone wants to know is like, what type of water should I drink? Which, which I have no problem giving details on that in a second, <laughs> but I really truly think we have to understand that water is the water we drink yeah, it becomes part of our blood volume and it goes kind of into that interstitial space, right? It becomes part of us, but the water that our mitochondria make is the true source of our cellular hydration. And so anything that supports mitochondrial health is going to support exclusion zone or water production. And then this exclusion zone water battery and something that support supports both mitochondrial health and this exclusion zone water is infrared light. So what's infrared, right? Infrared heat or light and sunlight contains, always contains at least 40% infrared, a spectrum of light just outside of the visible spectrum that we can't see. Uh, You know, some animals can, we can't, but we oftentimes feel it as heat. We don't necessarily have to feel it as heat. So even now in the middle of winter, if I go outside, there's infrared there. And research shows that, that, that infrared penetrates into our bodies and it actually creates a bigger battery of this exclusion zone water. It charges it, it expands it fourfold. So imagine being depleted in this and being depleted of this exclusion zone water as the same thing as a cell phone battery being depleted, where it reaches a critical threshold and all of a sudden it's going to darken the screen and it's going to tell you it can't download or live stream that thing. You know, you, you lose functionality. That same thing happens inside of our cells when we deplete this exclusion zone water, but we're meant to, we're designed to have a continuous battery charging of it via infrared light that we would naturally get anytime we're outside when, when there it's daylight, but modern living, right? Modern window glass blocks the infrared for energy efficiency. Modern light bulbs have gotten rid of the infrared for energy efficiency. So for all intents and purposes, we're in a much more infrared deficient environment than we would be, than we were designed to be in. So getting into the natural light is a great way to do it. That natural light with the infrared also helps the mitochondria make more water. It actually it facilitates electron flow. It facilitates ATP production. So infrared's a very key strategy. And if we can't get outside, you know, we can supplement. What can we do to make to generate infrared? We can get into a sauna. We can get in front of a red light therapy panel. That can be very helpful. And I even think that the unifying one of the unifying reasons why exercise is so beneficial in so many ways in the body is because we're generating our own infrared. We're generating our own body heat that I think also has an effect on this structured water battery inside of us. So infrared, like remembering that. So the water that we make from our mitochondria, add the infrared to charge that battery makes a big difference. And then we can go into the water that we drink if you want. (laughs) (laughs) You're avoiding that topic. Uh, (laughs) Quit sidestepping. No. um, So all right. So infrared heat. I'm glad to hear that because I actually I'm lucky I put an infrared sauna in my house and uh, I do enjoy it. It's great. Like it's it's um, maybe explain a little bit about it. I mean, I've I've learned from buying it, obviously, the process of infrared. But um, I know that it's, you know, it's a different type of heat than like just going into a sauna where they're just steaming you out. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's different It it in terms of the penetration depth. Right. right. And so one of them more, one of them heats more from the inside out 
one of them heats more from the outside in. So if you're going to go into a traditional sauna, you get more of that heat from the outside towards the in towards the inside. Whereas if you go into some an infrared sauna, you're going to get it really more from the inside out. So it's a deeper penetration. Um, but you know, I tell people also, we, we don't need to be perfect because all infrared is supportive. So, you know, I think, I do think that those, those traditional uh, societies in Northern latitudes, like, so picture, picture uh, people who potentially live in Iceland, uh, you know, Greenland, you know, there's a reason why infrared traditional saunas are a huge part of those cultures. I think it's because people know that uh, they recognize they feel good with it. But I think now we recognize one of the mechanisms that makes them feel good having the infrared exposure on a regular basis, sometimes daily basis is because it helps to charge that water battery. So all infrared is beneficial, but what you do get with something like a far infrared sauna or a full spectrum infrared sauna is the penetration depth of the infrared wavelengths that can be, be beneficial. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's, it's amazing how that's grown because there's so many on the market now you could get one that not probably break the banking, um, and, and it could be effective. And then you talk about red light, maybe touch a little bit about red light therapy. Yeah, sure. So, you know, again, red light, a red light therapy panel contains typically two, sometimes four very specific wavelengths of light. Some one or two in the red light range, one or two in the near infrared range. Um, and those are, you listen, there's at least, I've seen, I've seen a database of at least 5,000, uh, articles on red light therapy. So it's been well studied They, they you know, each company kind of picks and chooses which wavelengths. But in general, what we see with those panels is the red light and the near infrared light are very supportive of mitochondria and very supportive of help helping to charge that water battery inside of us. So simply being in front of a red light therapy panel, we're facilitating the production of more water from the mitochondria and we're charging up that exclusion zone battery. So I think it's a really good way to supplement light uh, when it's potentially lacking either because we can't get outside with work or just because it's a good therapeutic strategy to add into our, uh, into our routine. Okay. I got it. And what would you, you talk a little bit about grounding we've, we've, I've touched on this. I know I talked with Dr. Twyman about some of this, um, is grounding something that you put into your practice, even when it's 20, 20 below in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, 20 below might be my cutoff. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I try to earth every morning that, that I am seeing, I can go outside at sunrise and I'm not maybe driving kids to school. I touch my bare feet to the earth. It could be 10 inches of snow, right? And I'm still doing it. And that has a couple of different benefits. Uh, if, uh, you know, I guess we have to recognize that the body from its most fundamental level, that quantum level of particles I don't think they're particles, but like electrons, protons, neutrons, that level that we're talking about right now mm -hmm. is that we really need electrons. Food breaks down into electrons. There, there's like all these food arguments on, on the online. It's like, but wait, food breaks down into electrons. Protein breaks down into amino acids, right? That's a building block really. But carbs and fat break down into electrons that our body can then funnel to the mitochondria to make water and ATP. And so food is a way that the body gets the, the needed electrons, but we can also get electrons by simply touching bare skin to the earth because the earth's surface does contain an electrical charge, a negative charge, and we have the ability to conduct it. So my skin is conductive of that negative charge and I can pull that into my body. So essentially, as I pull those electrons into my body, I reestablish negative charge inside of me, including helping facilitate 
you know, those electrons moving to the, the mitochondria, where again, they can make more water and more ATP. Um, and there's other things that happen, right? When we touch the earth, there's, it's such a, that's such a cool area of study. Um, you know, simply, simply being outside and touching the bare earth, it creates a balance in my nervous system. So people who are, are kind of what we would call that in that fight or flight mode all the time can get a really balanced activation of sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Um, you can re help blood flow. So I don't know if Dr. Twyman talked about that, but he probably would, would have alluded to the fact that every red blood cell is meant to be surrounded by tons of negative charge. It's called zeta potential. And it needs this halo of electrons so that these red blood cells can kind of be like little free rafts and float freely and well through the bloodstream. And again, living indoors when we're not in contact with earth, like we would have been pretty right. much 24 seven, we, we deplete that negative charge. So we can get that charge back by touching the earth with bare skin. And you could also hug a tree if you'd like. You can hug a tree. You can hug anything that's growing right in the earth. And I remember I was like, I think I came back and I was like touching a tree. And I, I walked back in the house. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like nothing. Don't worry about it. I know. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. When I'm, yeah. I'm like, at, I'm at school and I'm like picking up the kids. And it's like, well, you know, I'm going to go earth. I like, I pretend I'm tying my shoe and just kind of like glance <laughs> my hands on the, on the grass. Right. Yeah. Do a handstand. <laughs> oh, what are you right, doing? Right. Really make a spectacle. <laughs> my kids would love that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, like we can laugh about this stuff, but it, I, it's like one of those things where like, it's just something we, everyone's just gotten away from, right. Just from modern living. And it's like these small little things that you can do that over time, they can make an impact on your health. What type of things do you feel like it's helped for you and sort of changed, um, um, I don't know, change your life or, or other people that you've worked with or helped? Yeah. I mean, I would say one of the, the, first things I noticed with this was an improvement in energy uh, and yeah. not like the kind of caffeine jolt we get, but just that natural increase we're supposed to get of our own body's energy production. Uh, you know, that I like, not just at the mitochondria level, but truly in my brain, feeling more energized in my brain and my body. Uh, that that was the first thing I noticed. I also noticed a clarity of thought. Uh, I was really brain foggy. Um, I, I was, so I was basically fatigued, brain foggy and puffy. My digestion stunk and all of those things within a matter of three weeks completely went away. And I did nothing to change my nutrition. I did nothing to change, you know, my movement practices. It was simply from light alone. Uh, and so that was huge. Right. And then on the other end, when I blocked the artificial light at night, my sleep, my insomnia went away, you know, because I was starting to make melatonin again. And so that was very helpful. Uh, and th those are things that people will notice very quickly. I also know I also have people who notice improvements in things like thyroid numbers because light can help with thyroid health. I've noticed hormone balancing effects, whether it's getting people getting getting people uh, women back on a regular monthly cycle, whether it's a, optimizing fertility. That's huge because again, we key in on the light signals for all of that, and our mitochondria specifically key in on the morning light signals to help make hormones for us. So we want to get those signals to our to our brain through our eyes. Uh, you know, I mean, anxiety and depression, like especially seasonal depression, but, but anxiety and depression in general, I see a big boost in terms of the ability for the body to handle that when we get morning light and we block the artificial light at night, um, learning and memory concentration. I teach a couple of college courses and that's some feedback that I get from college students where it's like, it's easier for me to recall and remember things go into long-term memory storage, you know, so I, I'm, I'm better able to focus on that. Oh, 
you know, I mean, yeah. I feel like it's, I feel like it kind of just runs <laughs> the gamut because of how foundational it is. You see a lot of, a lot of changes. Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that you talked about, I almost felt a little bit of that, just like being in Chicago for the winter. And then you go to like, whatever, let's say you go to Mexico or Florida, 85 degrees, sunny every day, you're going for morning walks and it's beautiful. And then you're, you're outside and you're, you know, like I was doing like outside yoga. So I'm on the grass and it, I will say like, if you want just like a, a tidbit of, of what all this can do, it's just like, it's like recharging your battery when you come back. Um, and so I think to your point, like doing this, like doing the things that you're talking about that we've talked about already on a daily or weekly basis, wherever you're at, I think can help sort of keep that going <laughs> to some degree, as opposed to just going on vacation, feeling it coming back and then getting back into that old sort of, you know, feeling. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's like, that's going on. So I'm going to be going to Mexico in two weeks. I'm super excited about it because it does. It feels like a super recharge, right. but it doesn't mean, mean that I have to feel like crap before going to Mexico or when I come back. Right. Um. If I, that, that I'll, I'll probably be outdoors barefoot on the sand, you know, yeah. 10 hours a day, right? Like that's going to feel really, really good. But right. when I come back, if I can continue to do my little light practices, getting outside, naked eyes, sky gazing, touching the earth, going for a morning walk, all of those things, they're small, seemingly insignificant, but they actually really make the body feel good. And you'll just add to that big benefit, that big boost you got in Florida, I'm going to get in Mexico. So it's not like we have to just go on vacation to get the effect. We can get it even when we're in in the Midwest <laughs> in the middle of winter, almost spring. Let's hope it, let's hope it comes sooner yeah. than later. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, is there anything else that you put into your routine um, to sort of help with circadian rhythm? Or I know you talk, do you talk a little bit about cold therapy or, or things like that. Um, anything else that you try to implement? Yeah, I, I do try to implement cold therapy. Uh, I feel like that's can be a, if, if one is willing to experiment with cold plunges, I feel like that's a really good way to facilitate mitochondrial support, really heal my damaged mitochondria. And so I do like cold thermogenesis, cold plunging, uh, I personally hate cold showers. I would rather plunge in a cold tub any day um, than take a cold shower. So cold plunging for me, I I will do that leading up to winter, and I'll do that in the middle of the summer almost. Uh, but you know, this time of year, cold plunging is a disaster. I I want nothing to do with the okay. cold anymore. You know, my body is ready for the heat. So so yeah, <laughs> cold therapy can be very supportive because it's kind of weird to think, but when my body gets cold, it has to heat up. So the, my, my, and my mitochondria, there's certain mitochondria in my body in something called brown adipose tissue that do that for me. And so when I get cold, my mitochondria generate more infrared heat, that infrared charges my water battery. And again, it goes back to what's happening with that exclusion zone water inside of me. So cold plunging when done appropriately, it can be a really great strategy. Right. I always say, you know, cold, I use cold plunging a decent amount, but it's, you know, it's also a stressor on the body and exactly. you know, it's not really meant for individuals who are, let's say like not doing some of the things we've already talked about, maybe not getting good sleep, um, you know, not eating right or whatever. I know we haven't talked about that, but it, you know, we talk a lot eating all the time on this podcast. And I think that like, it goes to show you that that is just one aspect, right? Like there's so many other things that maybe people overlook, you know, yeah. that we've touched on. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and I just want more and more people to recognize it's not like 
it's not like we have, we can eat crap, right. And feel awesome. Sure. I think it's right. important. It is very important to focus on what we're eating, but that gets too myopic. We have to be, when we, when there's this whole other area as well that we can use to support our bodies. And you're absolutely right. Cold. Some, some of the ways that I see cold being kind of done, you know, on social media, cause that's where I am. It's like, it just kind of makes me roll my eyes. Okay. I'm in a cold plunge in this ice tub for 30 minutes. I'm doing a 30 day, yeah. 30 minute ice tub challenge. You know, it's like, Talk about how to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Stress your body out to the max. You're absolutely right. And so cold therapy for people who feel like their body is ready for it um, and or they they kind of walk their way in slowly with baby steps, I think it could be very, very supportive. But otherwise, it can definitely tip the scale into being a major stressor. And I, I'm not going to let you leave without answering the question about the drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot. Um you know, we have a, we have like a water filtration, nothing crazy in our house. And I, I always think I'm like, well, could I, you know, I've talked to a few other people who have mentioned a few like different types of units you can get. Like, is there certain, is there certain water that you, um, recommend people drinking? Yeah. And I don't do any exclusive product recommendations. I test out bunches of stuff. And so I'm not, I, I can give product recommendations, but I want to tell people first what needs to happen with their water. Most of our drinking water is just toxic. I think we can pull up any municipal tap water supply and recognize there's there's stuff in it we don't want. There's medications that don't get taken out. There's tons of chlorine as a disinfectant. There's uh, the potential for heavy metals and other things. It just are, are toxins, right? We don't need to overburden the body with more toxins. We get enough toxin exposure as it, uh, as it is on a regular basis. So number one, I want people to filter it. And I want it to them to filter it to the best of their ability. And if they can do something like reverse osmosis, that's great. Because you're pretty much getting all the crap out. But water in nature, natural drinking water is not just completely pure there's natural minerals and there's natural structure to it. And that might get a little too woo for some people, but I want to go there because I think it's important to recognize that purifying it is step one. That's great. But number two, natural drinking water has minerals in it. It's got minerals and electrolytes. And so I like people to add minerals and electrolytes back in. And I prefer a trace blend. So not just kind of like these electrolyte powders that have the main ones you see, the sodium, potassium, magnesium, those sorts of ones. So I do like something like a, a Quinton mineral or a trace minerals. Um, those are good brands. To, I've heard to of, I've heard of Quint, Quint, Quinton water. Yeah, yeah. Quinton, Quinton. Quint, Quinton, however you want to yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. That was made by, uh, or that was discovered a long time ago. It's basically purified seawater. Uh, on these really pure beds in near France, the coast of France, where uh, where uh, Rene Quinton, he it, it mimics the same electrolyte blend of as the blood plasma. So he literally has infused people with it as a, as a means of supplementing blood if it was needed. Uh, and so it's a really beautiful electrolyte blend. It's got the full balance of what our body needs. So I think if we're going to drink something, I want it to mimic really closely my, my blood plasma. That's very similar to my cerebrospinal fluid as well. So something like that is beautiful to add back in. So get out the garbage, add in the minerals, and then oh, there's structure, there's movement. Water in nature is never stagnant, right? And so I've got clients who like to vortex their water. I've got clients who like to stir it. I've got clients who like to structure it with things like the analemma wand. But guess what? You can even structure that stuff with intention, which is woo as heck. But honestly, the, the massive amounts of labs that have repeated that research and, and confirmed that you could literally think loving thoughts into your water and it rearranges how the water molecules connect to each other in their hydrogen bonds is pretty impressive. So- when in doubt, 
purify, put some minerals in it, and then think something nice, right? Think, you know, put a wish into the water. I think there's a reason why every culture historically had this kind of the idea of expressing gratitude for food, for drink, prayer. Uh, and I think it does more, it's more than just, you know, expressing gratitude. I think it's actually changing at that quantum level, some qualitative properties of the water. So I would say structure your water. And if you need to use intention, that's a beautiful way to do it. Do you use um, trace minerals? Like I know there's those trace mineral drops. I've, I've, I've used them from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. I've used those trace mineral drops. I like Aussie trace minerals, that brand in particular. I think okay. they do a really nice job. Um, for the Quinton minerals, I actually, I use it, I put it in my water sometimes, but I actually take that as a straight mineral supplement. I think it's a very good one, um, to help, to help some mineral replacements. So I'll do Quinton pretty much just as a straight ampule it's called. And then I'll add the Aussie trace minerals into my drinking water. Although recently I've tested out over the course of the past, oh, I'm, we're probably looking at six months now. I have a whole or an under the sink unit from a company called Spring Aqua that basically does it all Right it filters, it remineralizes with a natural mineral blend, it structures it, it vortexes it, and it can add molecular hydrogen. There's the option for it to add in hydrogen to the water, which hydrogen added hydrogen in the water has a more antioxidant effect. And it, and it helps to actually make the water even more hydrating, if you will, for my body to use it. And you've, you've put that in your house. Yeah. I put that in about six months ago and I, I love it. It's easy before I was doing kind of different steps of, okay, what types of RO systems can I use? What types of remineralizers structuring can I do? So I've, t I've tested it all and having a company that really gets it and it does the whole, the whole thing for you. And it doesn't, use, it doesn't even use any electricity. Right. So everything was, we, when we lost power in an ice storm, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was still doing its thing, you know? So it was, it was really beautiful to, to have that system available. And it just has two, like a spout, right. That comes like you would see with a reverse osmosis system right next to your, your faucet. Um, but two handles, one with regular water that has all the things that I talked about. And then one that adds molecular hydrogen, if you want as well. Oh, wow. And that's called Spring Aqua. Spring Aqua. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny from that company, he's a big water nerd. He really gets it. So. And, and are they all over? Cause you're in Michigan. I'm in Chicago. They're probably, they probably could come. Yeah. Yeah. They, they sent someone out to, to install it and get me all set up with that. So it was really yeah, cool. Interesting. Wow. This has been great. Um, is there anything we've missed? Anything, anything, uh, that you feel like, um, quantum habits, have we missed any quantum habits? You know, no, I mean, I just can't emphasize enough getting outside whenever possible. And then if you can take it that next step further, finding a green space, getting into nature, there's just yeah. so much that happens when we, when we do that and kind of step away from the technologies. We didn't talk a ton about non-native EMFs, which is a, so, I mean, that's a whole podcast in and mm. of itself. Right. But, um, but it just suffice it to say that our technology, technology and our, our wireless stuff, it's just not great for us. Right. And if we can kind of step away from that and get into a natural setting, it's really, really supportive of our health. So I encourage once a week, if that's, if someone can get into a green space, a true natural setting to do so. Um, EMFs, um, right. We'll touch on it a little bit. Cause I yeah. am curious, do you use any, um, products around the house? I have a few things that I've bought, you, you know, it's like, you have to sort of trust the company, the product, whether it's working or not. It, so, and they're not cheap. Uh, no. I'm trying to think of the name. It's strong. There's some Vedic, there's Lila Q, there's a, oh, there's a um, blue shield cubes. There's a lot of companies out there that are working on harmonizing stuff. Yeah. So is, is there anything that you use around the house? Um, 
I mean, I've tested some of Adic and I've tested blue, blue cube or blue shield cube, their, their cube. Um, I, I would say my strategy with this is I try to, I try to hardwire and mitigate first. So like reduce my exposure and then I try to harmonize. So, you know, I mean, I'm old school, right? I don't know if people can see this, but you can for sure, right? That I've, I've, I hardwire everything. I've got the old school keyboard and mouse and, you know, ethernet, internet. It's just, I found that that can, that really took my workstation from a high non-native EMF exposure to almost nothing. If I had my meter here, it would show practically zero. So I'm really not in a space where I'm being bombarded with electromagnetic fields. Um, and then I also try to tell people if they can in their bedroom environment, you know, so yeah. unplug your Wi-Fi at night, try to t turn off your devices, put them somewhere else. Um, just get, get that stuff out of your room that can really help to put the body into a deeper sleep and, and support melatonin levels at night when you are sleeping. So that's what I encourage people to do because I feel like the harmonizers, I, I think the technology is there, or let's say the, um, the quantum, the theory behind it is absolutely there. And some people have shown it like, uh, Ibrahim Kareem has shown it on a large scale. He's harmonized EMFs in cities at the city, citywide level. So I think the research is there. I just don't know if there's a device where I've plugged it in and I'm like, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, like that was, uh, that's the ticket, right. That, that took everything to that level of just peace and harmony. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not there yet. So the company I was thinking of was Ears Tech. Have you heard of that? Oh, uh, I have. Yeah. They've reached out. Um, I would, I, I what I appreciate about Aries, Aries tech is that, you know, anything that can help someone's heart rate variability, I think is a good thing. Um, and so if they, they do, they show improvements in heart rate variability, but what I don't love is the idea that I think it gives a false sense of safety. It's like, okay, these stickers uh, often, and oftentimes it's not just Aries tech, oftentimes with companies, it's a sticker of some sort or an attachment to something. It's like, okay, put these stickers on your AirPods and it's totally fine to have wireless radiation shot into your brain. You know, it, I just, I, I can't go there. I, I don't think it has, <laughs> has enough of a supportive of, of effect to, to prevent the, uh, what I think could be some pretty excessive damage that happens when people wear AirPods to the extent that they're wearing these days or using a cell phone on the side of their head. Yeah. I mean, I, people wear AirPods and they have them in their head all day. It's like, oh. I never even, I never have them on at all. So, um, I don't really get how you got to wear them all day, but I hear you. I know I, I, I've never owned a pair. I, I get, I get cords are annoying. Cords are ugly. Cords are not cool, whatever, but you could do the same thing with a set of corded headphones and be just fine. Yeah. Uh, and then you have an EMF meter that you just Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got the Trifield too. That's a really good one. Safe and Sound is another brand that I like. Um, pretty user friendly to be able to just walk around. The Trifield too is fun because it does beep too. So you can set it on the beep for you for you to really, if you don't know what the numbers are saying, right. just listen for when the beep goes. Bup, 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 bup. It's like, oh, that's high EMF, right? And I want to try to mitigate it if at all possible. Yeah, that's cool. That's something that could be next on my list. When we're done talking here, I'm going to run into the Run into my backyard bare feet. I love it. I probably will do the same thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was great, Carrie. Um, where's the best place? Well, actually, before I, I usually ask this question for most individuals that come on my podcast. And what would you, what, what's one tip you'd give individuals, um, men or women, uh, who maybe are looking to get their, their body, their, their, their mind back to what it once was maybe 10, 15 years ago? What one tip would you give that individual? Uh, get outside in the morning, naked <laughs> eyes. Yeah. I, I think that that really, if you can, t if you can tell your body the time of day, it'll know when, it, when the time is to regenerate at night. 
So I guess it's twofold. Tell it the time of day, block the light at night so it knows when to regenerate. And you can literally reverse age the damage while you sleep. And so really key. Love that. Love that. Where where can people find you, Kiri? Uh, you know, I got two hubs. I am on Instagram. That is my primary social media site. So Carrie B Wellness on Instagram. Okay. And then my website, CarrieBWellness.com is where you can go to explore my courses, certification, or if you're just a consumer wanting to look into how you dive into this a little bit deeper, you can join my community and we nerd out about this stuff. So would love to see anyone there. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Carrie. Thanks for having me, Brian. We talked about so much. This was great. <laughs> yeah, so much and different topics than we usually talk about. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.